So last Wednesday, me and eight other leaders piled 26 junior hires into our vehicles, and we headed to the east edge of Grundy Center. See, we partner with one of my buddies, Steve Hinderhofer, who uh, has uh, kind of adopted a couple different neighborhoods in Grundy Center just to serve and to love on. And so he's invited Chaos to come in throughout the year to help take part in that. And so as we arrived on Wednesday night, Steve gave each of the group of students a roll of paper towels and, and some window washer and some garden tools and some trash bags. And then we had them, we divvied up the groups and they had, we had them go knock on the door. And when they knock on the door, we'd say, hey, we're, we're friends with Steve. You knew we were coming. How can we help you? How can we serve you? And so you have this picture of kids on the inside and outside of these residence homes doing the wax on, wax off motion, trying to figure out how to uh, clean these windows, um, tilling the garden, and doing whatever else these these people needed. And uh, as we were finishing up, some girls came running up to me, Brad, 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 as if something horribly had just happened. At least that's what was going on in my mind. That was my first instinct. Oh gosh, am I going to have to call the ambulance? I knew I should not have given those sixth grade boys some of those garden tools. Well, I guess I'll have some parents who are a little upset with me, but I was wrong. Something beautiful happened. One of the ladies uh, that they were serving wanted to give some candy to Steve's kids, and Steve's kids weren't there, so the, these girls run out, they give the candy to Steve, he puts it in his pocket or something, and then they ran the dish back. And when they ran the dish back, one of the sixth grade girls said, can we pray for you? And the woman started going and breaking down into tears. And as she started to share with these, these two girls, these two sixth grade girls, her health is declining. It's not looking good, and she might take a turn for the worse. And she actually asked that the Lord would just take her home instead of having to go back to the hospital again. So the girl said, okay. And they all grabbed hands in the, in the living room and uh, started praying. And there wasn't a dry eye in the room. A holy moment just took place. And these two sixth grade girls could not wait to share with everybody what had happened. So we're in this final week of this series, this unique future, and it's all about the mission that God has called Orchard to. And for the last 53 years, it's been about helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ. But how God does this through us is really unique. Um, as we've paid attention to uh, who's in our church and what kind of gifts and talents they have and passions and what their story is and how God has worked in their life, we found out that God has a unique call for us to bless a broken... And actually, our mission, if you put the slide up, we can all read it together. Helping next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world. We see this as God's missional mandate, um, the reason God calls us together. It's not so much a new thing, but it's maybe a more of a sharper focus of God and how he works through us to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And we believe God wants us to understand how he best works through us unapologetically to become more aware of who he wants us to be. He's calling us to a unique future. So we're un- we've been unpacking this, this mission statement, and today we're talking about blessing a broken world. We believe Jesus wants us to encounter and follow him because he wants to share with us an abundant life. And he also wants us to encounter and follow him to help others experience this abundant life. You see, God is a, is a missional God. He wants his church his people, his community, those who put their faith in him to be a conduit, a vessel of blessing the world around us, people who are dying for some good news. And this actually happens. We can go all the way to the first book of the Bible in Genesis, chapter 12. 
The Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who treat you with content and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So God's saying to Abram, look, I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to pour out so much blessing on you, it's going to overflow into anybody who calls you friend. God says, I'll do all this. I just need you to do one thing. You need to leave and follow me. um, When our staff was talking about this, uh, talking about the wording of this, this new missional mandate, a lot of us had some healthy discussion on this word bless. I mean, it's a word that we use a lot. In fact, uh, it's probably um, some of us younger folks have had a hard time with uh, probably the new, the most trending hashtag blessed um, kind of causes a lot of confusion out there. So I wanted to read some, some of you who have Twitter, if you want to pull up some of these. Uh, at Byron Murphy says, received an offer from Michigan, hashtag blessed. Um, at Trailer Swift, woke up next to a bucket of KFC, hashtag blessed. Uh, at Earlcorn, I finally figured out how to use my front camera. Hashtag blessed. Um, uh, B Gainster126, Emily and I both beat the levels of Candy Crush that we've been stuck on in a matter of five minutes. Hashtag blessed. Uh, at Phasey25, one of the best feelings in the world is when a teacher gives you the test and it's the exact same as the previous test from last year. Hashtag blessed. And then at Little Man 1020, I ordered a four piece of KFC and I got 12 pieces. Hashtag blessed. There must be a running theme with KFC and feeling blessed. And then my favorite, at Whitley Adara, got a storage unit from an old guy in overalls with American flag business cards and a gun laying on his desk. Hashtag blessed. Um, others of us have used hashtag blessed for our vacation reports or our health updates or we describe our latest achievements. The New York Times actually says it's our new go-to term for those who want to boast about an accomplishment while pretending to be humble, to fish for a compliment, and to acknowledge a success or purposely elicit envy. So this morning, we've got to reclaim that word in its true meaning. We want to be completely clear that the blessing that God offers Abraham and promises to give the world through him is nothing less than his son Jesus our ultimate blessing, who will be born through Abram and his wife and their family tree, we want to be equally clear that it's also God's mandate for us as a people of faith to be a blessing to this world as God pours out his grace and peace on us. So this morning, I just want to look at this, how God blesses us and how he wants us to fulfill this missional mandate at Orchard. So um, this, this blessing that we want to break down is actually uh, one that you're probably maybe familiar with out of Numbers chapter 6. Uh, verses uh, 24, 25, and 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. See, this is the way that God wants his people to ask for his favor to rest on others. And it provides a great picture of how we can be a blessing that demonstrates the love the encouragement and provision that God desires for us to pour out on others. So I think that there's three specific things that God says that make up key pieces in this blessing. So the first, God does this as he turns his face toward this broken world and he desires to bless us. He sees you 
He sees me. He notices us beyond our outward appearances, beyond the past sin that we've had in our lives, um, whatever false self-image that you carry around, whatever mask that you carry. He sees the image written on your heart and he moves toward you and he wants to call out his image that he made in you. And he's declaring, I am for you. I'm not against you. I want to bless you. And he invites you to talk to him and be honest with him, to confess your sin and to receive his forgiveness and mercy. He encourages you to share your pain, your struggles, your doubts, your fears, your dreams, your hopes. He longs to fill you with the spirit of power. He stoops down to be with you and he whispers in your ear, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, Jesus often saw people And a lot of times he saw people that were kind of overlooked in culture. In the book of Luke, there was a woman who just lost her son. And Jesus raised him from from dead back to life. And the scriptures say that he saw the woman and he had compassion for her. In Matthew 9.36, when he sees these crowds that are hungry, it says that he saw them and had compassion on them. You know, the story of a a woman that was kissing Jesus' feet. Jesus was hanging out with some Pharisees. They were eating supper together. And, and the Pharisee said, well, she's, you know, this woman's a, you know, this woman, does he know who she is? She's a sinner. And she was crying and wiping her tears off of, uh, on his feet. And, and Jesus said, Simon, do you see this woman? We are to see people, to look at them, to attend to them like Jesus did. And not just look, but also speak goodness in people. Though the word blessing actually has a Latin root, which means to speak well of. To bless someone is to see them to look and see God's image in them and then to tell them about it. So I've had the privilege of being able to actually like watch this uh, unfold right before my very eyes. So I don't know if some of you know that in Granny Center, there's like a team of pastors that get together and they share um, doing church services at the care centers here in town, at the hospital long-term care and the Grundy care in Arlington Place. And so um, we just take turns going and doing a church service. And uh, when I've been, I've, I've gone to a few of them And I've grown to learn that many of these people that are at these places are easily forgotten about, overlooked. And let's face it, our culture kind of worships youthfulness. And we can know that because we'll watch TV and we'll see all the skin creams to get rid of your wrinkles and all the the colors to dye your hair to make you look younger. So the the first time I arrived at the Grundy Hospital long-term care to, to give the message, I see my two friends from Lincoln Center, Wayne and Judy Eilers. They're each pushing wheelchairs, pushing people out of their rooms. And then as I began to watch, I noticed something. This wasn't a couple that was trying to get more volunteer hours at the hospital. And this wasn't just a few times that they've served either. They knew the names of folks. And they would literally stoop down to engage in conversation beside their wheelchairs. They took delight in these older folks that were in frail health. And I believe that they do this because they see God's image in each and every push, person that they push along. This couple has demonstrated to me that of what it looks like to see people as God sees people as a deeply valued treasure made in his image. So what if we called a time out as a church, set aside all this and committed to looking for God's image in each other and then calling it out? I want you to look at these four pictures up here. I don't know if there's a slide of pictures at all. Yeah. So um, I was a part of a youth art team a few years ago, and I actually helped uh, the, the group of students between Cedar Falls and Waterloo uh, paint this big peacock on a building downtown. I don't know if you can really notice it, but there's uh, some spots in the, in the feathers of it. And it's actually the image, the silhouette of each and every kid that's been made in God's image. 
put all all together to make a beautiful picture. And then you, if you see in the bottom right, there's this McDonald's apron that's been sitting in this muddy, murky mess. And a kid comes, takes a picture and makes it a beautiful piece of art for people to enjoy. And they have a, this love is power. Uh, these kids trying to, to bring uh, a message to the community. And if you see in the background, each kid, their image, their silhouettes are on the back of that painting. And then watercolors hanging on doorknobs, a gift to brighten a stranger's day. These are all projects that have been cl- completed by this youth art team sponsored by Orchard Hill and Harvest Vineyard Church. And for the last five or more years, this team has been doing exactly what I'm talking about this morning. They are calling out the delight that God takes in people. And this stuff isn't just really cool art. It's a group of people who have joined God's mission to be a blessing. And they're committed to looking for the good image of God in one another and their community. And then they're calling it out. And they're bringing it to the rest of us so it can be a blessing. These kids and leaders looked across the divide. They saw each other. And then they found some things in common. And they moved towards each other. And then they spoke kindly to one another and told them about how they see God's image in, 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 in themselves. And then they spoke it out loud in words. They painted it in color and celebrated it in actions. And then they shared it with us. I believe that this is what happens every Sunday morning in the Farm Bureau building. Students, adults, and volunteers looking into the faces of our kids and moving towards them to call out the image of God in them, to affirm them, to pray with them, to listen to them, to eat snacks with them, to serve them, and to share God's story with them, to bless them. But it's not just kids who need this. Take a look at the images on the news, and you see the weary, heartbroken, angry, desperate people of Nepal or Baltimore. Do you see your friend in mourning? Or or an overworked husband or wife or anxious teenager? What do you see when you look in the mirror? As an employer or a teacher or a coach, husband or wife, mom or dad, you have employees, students, athletes, roommates, spouses, kids, neighbors, all around you longing to be noticed and wanting to be blessed. Last year, I was actually uh, invited to the Jeff and Cindy Mickey's house. They were going to have a blessing ceremony for one of their oldest sons, Louis. And uh, they, they, their idea was just to invite a few of his friends to come over. They were going to read some scripture, to pray, to affirm these young men, to speak good in their lives, and then maybe even paint a picture of a future that God might have for them. And they expected maybe like a, a dozen people at the most. Well, I show up, and the whole entire deck is packed full of people. In fact, there's not enough room on the deck and they're overflowing into the backyard and then we had to open up the screen door to the kitchen. All because so many people were hungry for a blessing. They invited their friends, their parents, and they filled up the place to receive that blessing. You know, Ron Rollheiser, an author and theological school president, says, so much of our hunger is a hunger for a blessing. So much of our sadness comes from the fact that nobody has ever taken delight in us and pleasure in us in a non-exploitative way. I want you to know this morning that God wants to bless you. In the garden, as God completed each day, he said it was good. And then when he made humans, he said it was very good. He made male and female and claimed that, proclaimed that. He told us how he sees us and what he thinks of us. He doesn't just love us, he likes us. When Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened up and a voice called out. He said, this is my son, whom I love and I am well pleased. And that's what God says to each of his adopted kids. 
He turns his face towards us. He affirms us and declares his delight and pleasure in us. And then he says, now go, pass it on. You know, God also offers his grace. God didn't come to the world to condemn it and give us what we deserve, but out of love he came to save the world. And he doesn't simply withhold judgment, but he offers abundant life, even to his enemies. And we see this so clearly when Jesus came, not only to his disciples, but to the poor, to the sick, to the prostitutes, to the tax collectors, to the sinners. He sees people that no one sees and he has compassion. He comes, he invites them to have a meal with them. He offers forgiveness, renews their minds, reveals what's good in their lives, what's pleasing in his perfect will. And you see this blessing in a radical, miraculous way and how it changes people. You see this in the story of Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, the guy that's stealing money from his own people, getting rich, and then he's funding the Roman government who's oppressing his very own people. And Jesus sees him in a tree and says, hey, come down, I want to eat dinner with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to call out the good in you. And he immediately turns to pass, Zacchaeus gets changed by this, and he immediately turns to pass, pass this blessing on others. And pay back those he's wronged. And Jesus invites us into this way of life. So I have a story. Uh, when I was, It was my junior or senior year. I can't quite remember. And I was late for work. Earlier that afternoon, my dad had reminded me that he was parked behind me. You already know what's going to happen. So uh, he said, you know, don't be careful. I'm parked behind you. I don't want you to hit my truck. Just remember that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. A little bit of time passes. I'm getting ready to get my clothes on. He probably said it a second time. Hey, don't forget, I'm parked behind you. And then I'm probably tying my shoes, getting my keys. And I, it was at least a third time. Hey, don't forget. And I was like, yeah, 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 I got to go. What do you think happened? <laughs> I drilled dad's truck. I must have backed out so fast that our neighbors thought I was trying to do a Texas U-turn. I didn't even know what hit me. Needless to say, I smashed up the side of my car pretty bad. I busted out dad's headlight. And this probably doesn't mean as much if you don't know my dad. He just traded his 70th vehicle this last week. And he has been known to keep the inside of his car cleaner than any of the local dealerships. So I'm terrified. And I, and to top it off, he clearly and he gently warned me multiple times, more than enough. And I still ignored the warning. I was sure I'd lose my car and I'd be paying out my ears for this mess. But my dad extended heaps of grace. I don't remember the words that were exchanged in the driveway that day, but I do remember, it wasn't more than a day or two, that my dad's out there laboring in the garage or out in the driveway, getting the dent out of my car, and he paid to fix his truck. He took the cost upon himself. The damage I should have paid, he made things right. He clearly ignored his instructions. I created the mess, but he covered me. He gave me grace. And when I've experienced grace like this, when I know I deserve something much more different, it marks me. It changes me. I experience my father's desire to protect me and his love for me when I do not, even when I do not heed his instruction. And then when this blessing is extended, God's peace is offered as well. And God wants us to help extend his peace to a broken world. And it's not the kind of peace where you're thinking like uh, an absence of conflict. It's a way different peace, a deeper peace. The Hebrew word shalom it's much more than that. It means the life the way God meant it to be. When you think of how Jesus taught us to pray, part of it is beckoning his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants to make us new and whole and be completely restored in him to the life he created us for. Nicholas Wolsterstorff says, Shalom is 
a vision of what it is that God wants for human creatures. A vision that constitutes human flourishing and our appointed destiny. And God wants us to help bring his shalom to others. We want to be this kind of church, this kind of people. People like Wayne and Judy, or like that chaos group, who reach out and see and notice people, maybe people who mostly go unnoticed throughout our days, to listen to them and to remind them of God's unfailing love in their lives. We want to be a people who use our resources and our lives to put ourselves in places to actually see people, care for them, love them, affirm them, and then call out the image of God in them. We are to partner with God and each other to make things right in a world that is broken. So I have a question for all of you sitting here this morning. Who have you not been seeing? Who's in desperate need of some grace right now? Who is God nudging you to be a blessing to? I believe God is calling our church to something great. To see others, especially the overlooked. We are to see each other as God sees us. To extend grace, we are sinners saved by grace. And all we really have to offer this world is the grace that's been given to us. That brought us back to life. And then to work towards God's peace. His shalom in a deep way, not in a surface way. Uh, we can, we do all we can to partner with God and our neighbor to make things right in a world that's very broken. Would you pray with me? God, it doesn't make sense. Uh, going back to that story of Abram, why you would choose a people and decide that you're just going to pour out blessing upon blessing. It must say a lot about how you are a gracious and you are a generous God who loves his people. And God, I just pray that if there's someone uh, this morning sitting in here and they just don't see themselves have how you see them, God, that you could just uh, you could flip their lens around. That they are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, and for those of us that may, might grasp that, God, would we be changed coming out from here and to go and be a blessing in a a world that's broken, and we are a part of that brokenness. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus, that meets us in our brokenness, has the power to restore us, and give a hope for, for, for the world. Your local church is the hope for the world. We thank you so much of the work that you're doing in and through us, and we pray that you'll continue to transform lives for your glory. We pray all this in your name. Amen.